Peter Leonard is a second-generation thriller writer and son of the renowned Elmer Leonard. We all, um, all us thriller uh, seekers have probably read uh, numerous books of Elmer. Um, here's what Carl Hyacin says about Peter's work. Uh, clearly, it's great storytelling. It runs in the Leonard family's DNA. And Eyes Closed Tight, um, which is Peter's most recent work, is relentless, surprising, and deeply satisfying. This is Greg Grasso. I'm talking with Peter Leonard today, and this is Chapter One. How are you, Peter? Very good, Greg. Pleasure to be with you. Today. <laughs> um, you've got six uh, novels under your belt. Well, why don't you uh, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about Eyes Closed Tight? <clears throat> Eyes Closed Tight uh, is uh, about a uh, retired Detroit police homicide investigator <clears throat> named Eau Claire who buys a motel in Pompano Beach, Florida, and uh, he's living there with his much younger girlfriend, Virginia, who can fix anything, and uh, life is good until Eau Claire finds the body of a young girl on the beach in front of his property, and he learns that the, uh, the girl was murdered in a peculiar way that reminds him of a case that he'd solved years earlier in Detroit. Hmm. And when, when a second body is uh, left on his beach, he knows someone's trying to tell him something. And uh, he, he, he starts to help a, uh, a young, inexperienced Pompano Beach, Florida homicide investigator named Holland. And uh, Eau Claire realizes that uh, the only way to get answers is to go back to Detroit and look at his old case file and... Uh, and see if he missed something. He obviously did. So that's kind of how it, it begins. And uh, and that's, uh, you know, it, it the story starts to uh, take off from there. Um, this uh, Detroit cop, how, how good was he? Was he a good, I he, mean, was he a good detective? <laughs> he was, yeah. He yeah. had been uh, involved in uh, solving... 1,500 uh, homicides in his uh, many years uh, wow. on the force. Wow. So he was good. He was, uh, he was a little unorthodox in his methods, as, uh, as the reader will find out, but uh, he kind of played by his own rules, but he got results. Yeah, and results are the name of the game when you're solving murders, uh, I suspect. <laughs> yes, yes, and yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you pull out every resource you have. You pull out... Uh, uh, all the disciplines you know, and uh, try to solve the case. I, I, I like cases like that. Um, this this remind me similar uh, um, to some of Jeffrey Deaver's work. Um, I've I've had Jeffrey on the show a number of times, and uh, you know he's a pretty good thriller writer. Actually, uh, actually, you're pretty darn good yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, sure. Uh, this is I look at it as. Uh, old-time crime fiction mm -hmm. updated. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reader is looking over Eau Claire's shoulder while he reinvestigates uh, the case. And, uh, and it, I think it's kind of fascinating. And this is kind of what I did when I hung out with uh, Detroit Police Homicide for a month uh, a couple of years ago. Hmm. And that's really where I got the some of the ideas mm -hmm. and I got all of the background material, all of the, 
the ballistics information and all the uh, the evidence and uh, you know because I, I pulled it from actual uh, cases yes. and uh, so it's it's accurate and uh, and I found it fascinating to to read old case files and uh, because when you when you pick up an old file you don't really know what happened and so I poured through. Uh, old case files, just as Eau Claire, the main character in Eyes Closed Tight, hmm. is going through his old case file written by him, and uh, I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, was there any DNA uh, um, uh, uh, findings? Um, uh, did did uh, he use uh, you know current technology? Obviously. Uh. Yeah. Uh, the, the the case that he'd solved was in 2006, so mm. you know DNA was certainly available, uh, DNA technology, but he didn't really need it uh, to to solve the case. Uh, but as we find out, he probably got the wrong guy. He arrested the wrong guy and uh, and put this guy away. He, he's serving two life terms in uh, IMAX, which is a a penitentiary in uh, northern Michigan. Right. Maximum security, yeah. Huh. So where where's this coming from? Where is where is cuz you've like I said you've got six uh so far. Where is this coming from? Now, I know you grew up with your dad, you know, uh did so I guess the question is did did he stimulate interest um, in you when you were a young child? Did uh, uh, is this something that you uh, uh, um, just developed into, or you know wanted to follow Dad's footsteps? Uh, what, what, That's a good question. Yeah. It's a it's a uh, <clears throat> it's a tough one to answer quickly, but uh, sure. I, I mean, I, I remember uh, going down the basement of our house uh, when I was a young kid. And I would uh, watch my father. <clears throat> He'd be sitting at a little red desk writing longhand, uh, his typewriter next to him. And uh, across the room was a wastebasket. And there were all these yellow balls of paper, <laughs> shots that had missed the basket, scenes that didn't work. And uh, <laughs> so I remember that. And, I, rem- you know, certainly my father would talk about what he was doing. And uh, he said that he, well, he, he was working in advertising, when I was a kid, and uh, he was a copywriter at Campbell Ewald doing writing uh, Chevrolet ads. Hmm. And uh, but he was writing before that. He would get up at five a.m. and write from five to seven, and try to write two pages a day. And uh, but he wouldn't. He, he had this uh, <clears throat> pact he made with himself. He couldn't turn the water on for the coffee until he'd written a page. So. You know, all, this I had been hearing, you know, all my life how my dad, uh, you know, wanted to write and uh, and did all these things. You know, he because that was the that was the only time that he could write. And uh, and then growing up, my father would talk about characters and scenes, and and he would say, hey, you, you know, if you're going to write, you've got to tell your story through the eyes of your characters and shifting points of view. So he kind of bombarded me and my brothers and sisters with this kind of stuff and encouraged us all to write. Hmm. But uh, no one took him up on it until I did. Uh, I wrote I, I wrote a uh, short story after college, and uh, I sent it to my dad. It was a six-page story, and he sent me a uh, 
three-page critique a few days later, and uh, and one line that kind of summed up the whole thing. He said, uh, "Your characters are like strips of leather drying in the sun. They all look and sound the same." Mm. And uh, and then I, of course, I didn't write another word for 27 years, <laughs> word of fiction, <laughs> not because of that as much as uh, you know, my father. Well, I got involved in, in uh, advertising. I started an ad agency and uh, mm. and had a family, and, and decades flew by. Mm. And, uh, and then uh, I, I decided, well, I'd thought about writing, but as my father got more and more famous, the idea of you know trying to follow in his footsteps seemed impossible. And, uh, and yet one day I thought, I got to do this. Well, I was 50 years old, and... Uh, if I said if, if I'm ever going to do it, I got to do it now, yeah. and uh, so I ended up uh, writing a Quiver, right? And uh, and I asked my father to read it. I gave him a manuscript when I finished, and I was a little nervous because of what he'd said uh, 27 years earlier. Sure, and, uh, sure. <laughs> he uh, he liked it a lot. He called me up after a couple hours. He was part way into it. He said, "This is really good." Hmm. And then called me the next day, and then went and called me again when he finished. So he was very complimentary, and uh, and it was exciting to just to, to hear his praise. I was waiting for that. Right. And uh, on the strength of uh, the book, I got an agent and uh, a publisher. Mm-hmm. So I was, uh, you know, off and running. Yeah. Wow. That's how it started. That's fantastic. What would you do in advertising, uh, Peter? I was a copywriter. I mean, I. I was the president of the agency, but uh, oh. I uh, I did you know, handled accounts and 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 did copywriting too. Hmm. Yeah, for my... Volkswagen and Audi and Hiram Walker, uh, oh, okay. Hiram Walker makes Canadian Club. Sure, sure. I... So good accounts, fun accounts. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, I remember drinking some Canadian Club early in my career too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was in advertising also. I, I got my feet. Oh, were you? Yeah, I got my feet wet uh, with uh, Young and Ruben Cam and uh, uh, WJT um, uh, back in San Diego during the um, late seventies and early eighties. And I was with a company called Diet Center for many, many years in the eighties, and worked with some top guns. It was, it was fun. Um, so okay, so you didn't write for twenty seven years. Um, do you think you had to wait that long to grow up and find out who you were? Um, because, you know, at 50, I, I had a, uh, <laughs> I had a situation at 50. It's like, who the hell am I and where am I going? You know? So did you have yeah, that, yeah. did you have that kind of, uh, dynamic happen to you? Uh, you just, or, or was this just something, you know, deep down that you just wanted to prove to yourself? Well, I had uh, been writing ads for sure. 25 years and uh, plus, 25 plus years. And I thought, you know what, I want to leave something. You know, I want to do something that's a little more significant than, than this. And I was really bored uh, with advertising. And mm-hmm. it was just a, it's a, it's a now or never a time to, you know, either do it or, or don't do it. Try it. And if you don't make it, then just at least you've tried. That's my, that was the inner monologue I had with myself. Right. That sounds cool. It sounds a lot like me too. Um, okay. So your, 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 your father sounded like a very disciplined writer. Um, 
What about you? Are you disciplined or do you write when you see it or hear it? Or do you try to knock out pages every day? What, what's your style? Well, I, uh, I work every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I'm writing a book, I, uh, I get up and take care of business early, uh, you know, returning emails and things. And then uh, I sit down from, you know, 9.30 or 10 in the morning until 5, 5 or 5.30. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a full day. It's a, I treat it as a job. And, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I like it. Time flies by. That's the odd thing. Um, when I was in advertising, the uh, you know, the day just it went on forever. And now doing what I really love to do, the day flies by. I wish I had more time. I look up and it's 4 o'clock and I think, oh boy, yeah. I need a little more. I need a few more hours. At, uh, but you can only, you're only good for, you know, X number of hours a day. Sure. And uh, so I, you know, at, at, at 5.30 I quit and uh, start uh, cooking dinner for my wife. And uh, I've always been the cook in the family. And, uh, and that's a good way to kind of distance uh, myself from what I've done, although it's impossible to turn it off. You know, I still, I'm still thinking of ideas as I'm oh, preparing the meal. Oh, absolutely. And I may run into my writing room and write, you know, write something down, just an idea that, I, that came to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is blowing my head off my shoulders because uh, my passion is cooking. I've been cooking since I was a little kid. Grew up uh, Italian American family back east. Eight, uh, oldest of eight kids, Catholic. Uh, but hell, I was rolling meatballs at six, seven years old. <laughs> what, what kind <laughs> yeah, of grasso? That's yeah, certainly that's, uh, that's Italian. Italian yeah. yeah. So, uh, what kind of stuff do you cook? I uh, cook. Uh, Stews, mm-hmm. French stews, mm-hmm. uh, beef stew, uh, nice. fish of all kinds, um, yeah. uh, gumbos, uh, jambalaya, uh, right. barbecue. Okay, uh, you know just just about everything. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I love the I love the um, um, connection with cooking and creativity because um, we, you and I, being creative, uh, you're in a entirely different world. But but uh, the creative process is something that. A lot of people don't understand. It takes time, you know. It's not um, copywriting is one thing, but but stringing something together, you know, for days and days and weeks and months is is uh, is hard to do. Um, and and that creative outlet helps, I guess. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, definitely, I try to write a thousand words a day, so that's four pages, which doesn't sound like much in uh, you know seven or eight hours, but it is. It's yeah. it's difficult. Yeah. Do you do an outline, or do you just write down what pops into your head? No, I I, I have written outlines, mm-hmm. um, and for the first, uh, actually, for the first six books, I I had an outline. I had a path, mm-hmm. kind of knew where I was going. But uh, the book I just wrote, uh, I did it the way my father always wrote. Uh, that is, not knowing anything. Yeah, uh, cool. developing characters and uh, I mean I had a I had a, a, a situation that that's that uh, the book begins with but after that I didn't know what I was going to do and uh, wow. I found it to, to be difficult it was fun it was challenging but I'd rather know a little bit more about the story hmm. crazy so it, okay uh, obviously you're talking about the book Currently, you're writing. Is it an Eau Claire uh, um, uh, continuation? No, no it's not. Oh, okay, 
Hmm. It's a it's a book actually that that begins on the the one I just finished uh, begins on the morning of uh, 9/11 in New York City hmm. and two two collectors who work for a uh, loan shark are uh, they they pull up at the uh, World Trade Center and uh, they're there to to uh, collect a debt from a guy who is on the 89th floor of Tower One. And uh, as one guy's crossing the plaza, the first plane hits. And uh, I I can't really tell you a whole lot more because it'll give it away, but uh, that's how it begins. And uh, so it's kind of a high-concept idea, and uh, I think it's interesting. I use 9/11 a little bit, you know, just just as a as a background, but the uh, set the tone. The yeah. story takes off from there. Huh? Huh? Do you have a title yet? It's well, you know, interestingly, uh, I had my father over uh, for dinner one night, and uh, used to have him actually, you know, several times a week, and uh, and and he said to me, "What's your title?" <laughs> and I said, uh, "It's unidentified remains." And he took a drag of his Virginia Slims 100, blew the smoke out, and looked at me, and he said, uh, unknown remains. I said, better. So not, it's unknown remains. Not bad. That's very cool. That is so cool. Huh? Virginia Slims. Oh, God, does that bring me back. <laughs> when I was 20, I was looking at all these 15, 60-year-old Men and women smoking Virginia Slims. I love it. Oh God. Um, well, yeah. Um, let's go. Let's go this way. What What do you really? Um, what do you remember? Um, you know, you talked earlier about you growing up and your dad had influence and everything. But uh, uh, how was your relationship with him? Did you have a Did you have a tight relationship with him your whole life? Um, um, I mean, what was that uh, like? Well, I would say I had a you know I had a close relationship with him uh, most of my life. Uh, he he divorced my mother, uh, and then he married a, a woman he he was having an affair with, Joan, mm-hmm. and they they got married and, and uh, I think were together for twelve years, and mm-hmm. then Joan died, and Elmore, who he he had to have uh, a woman around him, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and maybe because of his. Uh, solitary profession, mm-hmm. you know, being by himself all day, he needed somebody to talk to, but uh, he ended up marrying a woman three months after his second wife died, mm-hmm. and uh, I was his best man, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and after that, you know, we I didn't see him as much because he spent a lot of time with uh, his new wife, but they divorced a, a few years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, a few years before that... Uh, uh, Elmore and I would uh, go on tour together. We we typically would have a, a book out at the same time, mm-hmm. and uh, we would go to uh, you know, bookstores and uh, book festivals together, and uh, universities and libraries. And so we had a a little shtick that we did, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was really fun. And we I spent a great deal of time with him, and had an incredibly cr- close relationship with him the last uh, five years of his life. Yeah, fantastic. And it was great. And we, I mean, I would have him over f- four times a week for dinner. Yeah. And uh, he was losing weight because he, he 
he wrote all day and he wouldn't, he'd have a, a cup of coffee in the morning and maybe a piece of toast, yeah. wouldn't have uh, lunch. Then he'd come over you know, and just, he'd eat everything in sight. So, and, uh, but no, it was just, it was just fun. I had a great time with him. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. What's the most important thing that you learned from your dad, Peter? Um, well, there are, well, about writing or no, about life, about life, about life. Uh, yeah, man, you know, do whatever you want, but do it well. Yeah. Um, you got to enjoy yourself. You got to have fun. You got to. You gotta you gotta live life to the fullest. Mm. Um, don't judge people. Um, mm. You know, just just worry about yourself. Mm. Those are the kinds of things that uh, that I think he, you know, instilled in me and my brothers and sisters. Yeah, he was a really kind, good guy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, my dad was a good, kind guy, also. Yeah. He passed a few years ago. He was a gallery artist, uh, watercolor back east. But, huh, crazy. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's it. tough though when your when your father dies. You know, you. Uh, it, it took a while to come to grips with it for me, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, you know, because Elmore Leonard uh, at age eighty seven was still going strong, and uh, mm-hmm. he he seemed like the kind of guy that could go on forever. He smoked for seventy years, and uh, wow, nothing happened to him. He was he was that one percenter that doctors, you know, yes. they they don't like you know they don't like people that smoke that long and, and nothing happens right. because they it's just it's you know it's unbelievable it's unusual. Yeah, wow, wow, crazy. Was he? Uh, did he come from an immigrant family, or um, is he? Is no, he no, been... he was uh, born in uh, New Orleans. And okay. uh, his uh, his parents were uh, you know, born in, in the uh, U.S. And uh, I think uh, my great great grandfather was uh, William Leonard was born in uh, County Cork. Hmm. So Leonard's we Leonard's are part Irish, and uh, I'd say the you know, the biggest part. So <laughs> cool. Um... Well, hey, let's get back. To, let's get back to your first novel for a second, Quiver. Um, how long did that take you uh, to do uh, to write? Because I suspect, well, this may not be true, but does it get easier as you write more? Does it uh, do, uh, or do you struggle with the same kind of uh, uh, character building and language and that kind of stuff? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you still. It's still difficult to uh, write a book, but yeah. I think what happens is you get more, more familiar and more confident. And mm-hmm. confidence is a great thing. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, when I wrote Quiver, I really didn't know what I was doing, and uh, hmm. so now, uh, you know, seven novels, uh, six novels later, uh, mm-hmm. I feel that I do have a grasp of uh, the. Uh, the process and uh, and how to tell a story and uh, how to make it suspenseful, how to develop characters and uh, write dialogue. And it, it uh, John D. McDonald, uh, novelist, he said that uh, you you don't know what you're doing as a as a writer until you've written a million words. Hmm. And uh, and I, there may be some truth in that. I mean, I haven't written a million words yet. But I feel that I'm, you know, I'm getting there, hmm. and 
I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest. And uh, my father did that, too, that he uh, he wasn't really discovered uh, until he had written 23 novels. And uh, wow. So he he you know he he just kept getting better and better, forcing himself to do a, a, hmm. you know come up with better stories and better characters, and hmm. uh, it paid off. Yeah, obviously. Um, what what I like about your style, you write like Baldacci to me. Uh, you build these little scenes, okay? And for someone like me, who's very visual. Um, I have to, and for for me to get into any kind of book, I have to have these little scenes that connect together, and I like the way you've done that because, uh, uh, you, you know, your chapters are, are short. Uh, you don't have a thousand characters in the thing, um, but but the language, uh, the way you write, is uh, to me builds pictures. You know, um, like well, I, I think. That's because I I write in scenes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm picturing what's going on like a movie. Yes, and, uh, yes, and I like that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I think it helps. It helps to uh, to give the reader, you know, an easier look at uh, what's happening. Sure, absolutely. Huh. This is. I can't wait. Actually, I can't wait to write uh, read another one of your books. This is pretty cool. Um, is Eyes Closed Tight going to be a, a hardback, or are you going to stay with a softback? Because um, uh, I've well, just the, got a softback it, one. Yeah, the uh, publisher uh, is convinced that mm-hmm. uh, it, this, the, uh, it's, it's a trade paperback size, that that's the way to go. Right. Because um, the book business is in turmoil and has been uh, since 2008. Mm-hmm. When the economy really, you know, had some major problems, um, so my publisher believes that eBooks are the wave of the future, mm-hmm. and uh, that paperbacks are a far easier sell than a, you know, twenty-eight dollar hardcover book. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the strategy behind the, uh, you know, the soft uh, cover. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like it. It's a great size. The typeface is. Got to be at least 12 point, 13 point. Right, is, exactly, yeah. yeah. You can read it. Oh, yeah, you can read it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people I talk to who are thriller enthusiasts, uh, um, they like that uh, the larger print. It's easier to grasp. Yes. Well, it's yeah. been great, Peter. Um, I was wondering, um, before we sign off, I, uh, you think you could shoot me a signed copy? Sure, Absolutely. Cool. Should I go through Alyssa, or should I contact you direct with your email? Uh, yeah, just email me your address. I'll send you a signed copy. Great. In fact, I'm going to send you another book, too, that I think uh, is a really good story, uh, Voices of the Dead. Oh, nice. And, uh, it's it's about a, a Holocaust survivor. Oh, God. Uh, who's a scrap metal dealer in Detroit in 1971. And uh, his daughter is killed by a, by someone in Washington D.C. in a car accident. And Harry Levin, the main character, goes to investigate and uh, and finds out who this guy is who who is involved in the accident uh, mm. that has been covered up by the State Department. So the guy the guy's a diplomat and he's protected by immunity. And 
and Harry, and he's a German diplomat, so Harry goes to Munich to get revenge, and that's that's how it opens. I want, I, I, I really would like that because, um, uh, unbeknownst to you, <laughs> I've been studying World War II in the camps for 20 years or so. I do a lot of historical uh, biographies. I'm reading a number of books uh, now related to the camps, some some autos and some diaries, and uh, uh, I, w- I was quite moved as a young child. Um, uh, my one side of my family was Italian immigrants; the other was Polish immigrants, and uh, a lot of war stories and stuff like that. Um, okay, folks, um, eyes closed tight. Peter Leonard. Um, Peter is uh, uh, a Pretty damn good novelist. He's got six uh, under his belt right now. He just finished um, uh, his latest, his seventh, uh, which he won't tell me about. But that's cool because uh, <laughs> I'm going to get Peter back on the phone um, when I uh, when I get that book. Also, um, Peter, where can we find your your uh, books? Uh, um, I suspect if we just Google you, uh, we can we can find you and order. Correct. Indeed. Uh, you can go, uh, go to peterleonardbooks.com, mm-hmm. and uh, the new book is available uh, at Barnes & Noble stores, and I'm sure independent bookstores, and uh, barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. Fantastic. Um, are you going to do an ebook uh, eventually of all your novels, um, uh, or are well, you I there think they're all they're all available. They uh, are? Uh, yeah. Oh, didn't know I'm yeah they're all they're all available you know on as Kindles or you know okay. ebook versions yeah fantastic yeah. um I don't read uh, I don't do go that route myself I like I like physically holding a book and reading it um, but that's just I do, me I do too I'm with you yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. that's how you do it yeah well you can throw them at the kids also when they, when they act out <laughs> right sure <laughs> exactly great um Peter Leonard thank you um uh, eyes closed tight pretty damn good novel i uh, i must say i i really enjoyed it and uh, thank you so much for coming on the show greg thank you anytime right. be, be a pleasure to come back thank you sir